All right. Hi, guys. I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are back today after being gone last week because... We really just had a lot to do to follow up from our trip and a lot of content that we had to get ready for Patreon, so we were a little distracted by that last week. Yeah, and we do have lives outside the podcast, so it makes it harder. So let's get into our case. Uh, Today we are bringing you guys the story of Adrian McNaughton. Now, I don't know if you've heard about this, but it does involve a child. So, God damn it, Mom. I hate children ones. I know. So I'm warning you now. Don't yell at me later. This story does involve a child. Every parent knows the feeling of fear when you turn away and your kid disappears. I don't know any parent out there who hasn't at some point on some level experienced this level of fear. I actually experienced it with Maddie when she was little and we were in a Fred Meyer, okay? I don't know if you guys, if you don't have Fred Meyer, they're like a really big, like, has everything store. It's just, so It's just like a, it's grocery, a grocery store with like a clothing side. It has clothing. It has tools. It has gardening. Like it has, it's like a, it has everything. It's just like a super center store. It's yeah. Just like- yeah. So I was in a Fred Meyer with her. She was probably about three years old and I turned around and she was gone. And I screamed for her and I panicked. They locked down the store. They called the police. It was a whole big thing. Turns out she was hiding inside one of those like round clothing things that, you know, like the The clothing racks. Yeah. The clothing racks that have like nothing in the middle. They used to have them a ton. I don't really see them as much anymore. No, now everything's like squared. Because they were a bitch and a half to try to get your cart around those round. Well, not only that, but I think kids hiding in them was a pretty like regular occurrence. But by the time we found her, why wouldn't I be in there? I know. By the time we found her, I was in the most extreme panic. And I'm already a paranoid parent as far as like, I don't, my kids aren't that great. I don't know why, but I feel like everybody wants to kidnap my kids. And I've always been super, super paranoid. That's because there's always someone out there who wants to kidnap you. I know. There's always someone out there that wants to. I like that you don't respond to the fact that I'm like, my kids aren't that great. I don't know why I think everybody wants to kidnap them. You're oh, just like, just... she just like totally ignores the comment. I'm kidding. My children are amazing. Yeah. Mm. I love you all mm. most of the time. Mm. <laughs> I'm just. I was worried when you went missing. Why did you just flinch? <laughs> <laughs> you just hit me and then raised your arm again and I flinched. What do you mean? Why did I flinch? <laughs> You just I hit me. I wasn't raising my arm to hit you again. No, I already hit you. It's over. Let it go. Jesus. Okay. She literally just says, why do you flinch? Yeah. So I am sure there are plenty of parents out there that have had this exact same fear. Yeah. So I would love to hear your guys's panic stories because my mom's gonna have a dream where she wakes up and looks into phoenix's room tonight and can't scream and there's someone standing over phoenix's bed and that's gonna be her dream it's actually like my reoccurring nightmare maddie's not I'm just aware. pulling that out of the <laughs> air by the way so i've always had this reoccurring dream that like there's somebody in my child's bedroom and they're like standing over them and i discover them and i try to scream and i can't and i actually wake up in real life screaming bloody murder And this is a dream that I have had for as long as I can remember. And 
At least once but, a hey, year. Mom, I've only heard you tell it with two different children. I've never heard you tell it with your other two children. Actually, it's only happened with two of my children. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't going to say that. Cadence and Cordy, I still love you. But So, like I said, this is the disappearance of Adrian McNaughton. And he was a five-year-old boy who disappeared on a family fishing trip on June 12th of 1972. Adrian was the fourth out of five children born to parents Barbara and Murray McNaughton. And he was born on November 4 of 1966. According to the Doe Network, Adrian was small for his age at three feet tall and about 35 pounds. Which, it's funny that that's small for his age because that's bigger than Phoenix and she's older than him. (laughs) That's funny. It also says that he has blonde hair and brown eyes. There are two distinctive two-inch scars on his forehead going over one of his eyes. So distinctive marks are really good when it comes to missing children. Mm -hmm. Except for in the Madeline McCain case when it did absolutely nothing for her to have that crazy eye. Yeah, I feel like it should have. That's what makes me think that she's not around anymore. No. When he disappeared, he was wearing a blue nylon parka jacket, a striped orange shirt, brown pants, and either brown boots or shoes with thick rubber soles. Now, the I don't know if you guys have heard of the podcast, Someone Knows Something. It's uh, a CBC podcast written by David Ridgen, I believe his name is. And he devotes the entire first season to this story. Mm. So there's actually a lot, lot more information on this case because of that podcast. Now, if you want more information on this case, I highly recommend checking out that podcast. On June 12, Adrian and his father, Murray, and three of his siblings, plus a family friend named Donnie Ringo, who is also referred to as Danny. So his name is Donnie, but a lot of people refer to him as Danny. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. When I'm judging it, it well, it could I don't know if he's just called Danny or if it got mixed up at some point in the press, but it does report him as both. They went to Lake Holmes for a day of fishing. The lake was a very popular spot for the McNaughtons to go to, and they had been there many times before. The kids often played in the surrounding woods and along the shore of the lake while their dad was fishing. Now, oddly, Donnie has never really been interviewed by the media. There's not really much account of his version of what happened. Maybe because he was so young? No, this is the friend of the dad. Oh, oh. And it could just be that he refused to talk to the media. That happens. It could be, or it could be the fact that he just didn't have anything to say. Maybe. Maybe he was interviewed and people were like, this isn't even worth putting out there. Like, what is this? Well, and the host from Someone Knows Something podcast did do an episode where they interviewed him. Oh. Now, I didn't listen to this particular episode, but it does appear that Donnie's story lines up with what the family said from that day. Okay. Okay. But there is some made of that. Like, why hasn't he been interviewed? Why isn't he telling his side of the story? Is it because it differs from the family? No, nobody talked to him. When somebody did track him down, his story lined up with their story. Doesn't seem that there's anything crazy in there. So if you've heard that, that's 
Yeah. Interesting. It's really interesting to me that he doesn't. I just think nobody actually like went and talked to him at the time, like when it happened. Maybe, and that could be because people didn't know he was there. I mean, who knows? Yeah. So Lake Holmes is about 100 kilometers, so just over 62 miles, west of Ottawa. And this is important later, but as most lakes in the area, Holmes Lake has drop-offs close to the shore. Right. So we have some lakes like this near where we live. where We have some. There's a lot of, yeah, we have a lot, where there's a lot of, like, rocky boulders along the shore, and it causes these, like, severe drops. We actually go cliff jumping at some of them, but it causes, like, these severe drops. So from the shore to the water is a big drop and the water is instantly deep on these big drops most of the time. And in some of these places, 12 feet from the shore, the water's already like 35 feet deep. So the water drops off in the lake as well. So it's not just that there's like a drop from the shore. There's also drop-offs once you're in the water too. And also, the bottom is not a true bottom in most places, which I don't know if you've ever stepped in anything that's yeah. not a true bottom. Uh-huh. Like, it's a little murky. Absolutely not. It's I will- really disgusting. <laughs> okay. This is why we cliff jump at some of the places, because we don't want to go from the shore to the water. I would never so walk in. Out. Hell no, that water is too clear. That bottom is not real. No way am well, I touching the bottom. I'm always like thing. worried about what I might be stirring up when I'm walking through it too. There's been a couple that we've hiked to as well where there's a lot of sediment as well. But yeah. yeah. Either way, we've been to quite a few of these. But um, so there's a thick layer of mud or silt um, filled with decomposing plant matter. There's a lot of branches, fallen trees, all in the muck. So therefore, the water is very murky with poor visibility. Yeah, especially once you start moving around in there. Because, like, initially the water looks okay. It looks pretty clear. But as soon as you start moving this murky, muddy mat at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gross. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a really dangerous diving location. Yes. So Holmes Lake is fairly small. It's about 150 meters or 492 feet wide and 230 meters or 754 feet long. But really deep in many areas. Right. So it looks like a really small, innocent lake. But once you get into it, there are a lot of very deep spots. Now, on June 12, Adrian had been fishing for about an hour when he got frustrated. And I can understand this happening. He's five, right? He had not really wanted to be fishing that day. And when his line got tangled, he was like, done. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I've only been fishing once and my line got tangled and who I was fishing with tried to be like loving and supporting and help me untangle it. And I said, no, I'm done fishing. I'm going to go look for rocks. <laughs> and I have never been fishing. So there you have it. That was my one and only time fishing. And now his dad, Murray, retrieved the pole from Adrian and untangled it while Adrian played on some nearby rocks. Oh, by the way, in my story, I walked away to go get rocks. I was also a child, and I walked away to go look at rocks. I turned around, and my fishing pole was, like, back up on the rock, sitting up. But I wasn't Untangled. there. Like, <laughs> Terrifying. Soon after the fishing line was untangled, Murray noticed that Adrian was gone, and he assumed that the boy had wandered back to the car. Now, it's been reported both ways that 
Murray sent Adrian's older brother up to the car to look for Adrian or that the older brother was already at the car. Okay. So I've seen it reported both ways. Either way, the car's not far from where they're at. The dad assumes that he's at the car, either with a brother or on his own. Either way, not super concerned. So at some point, his brother makes an appearance. Okay, so basically what happens is the dad asked the brother if he had seen Adrian at the car. And the brother didn't actually hear what the dad had said. And he responded with, yeah, like, what did you say? And the dad thought that he said like said that the yeah. brother was at the car. Ugh. It was near dusk around six o'clock that it was discovered that Adrian was actually missing. And Murray, Johnny, and the other kids began to search and call out for him. After a couple of hours, Donnie left to call the police. Remember, 1972, no cell phones. It is reported that at 9 to 9.30, the OPP, which is Ontario Provincial Police, were on site by 11 p.m. with search dogs and volunteers, and they began to search the area. So Ontario actually has four different police forces, and only two are a part of this story. So the RCMP... The Royal Canadian Mounted Police. My favorite thing. Which is Maddie's favorite thing. I don't or know why the Mounties. Literally... They are the federal police and they function kind of like the FBI in the USA, right? They have their own specific terms. They focus on such things as border security, drugs, organized crime, kidnappings, things like that. They function, interact, and assist with other police factions. The second police force relevant to this case is the OPP which is Ontario's provincial police. They are only active in Ontario, Quebec, and parts of Maritimes. They are Canadians' largest provincial police force. So typically, they have jurisdiction in rural areas or the areas around and between cities. So they cover a lot of ground. Yeah. So those are the two departments that are going to be involved in this search. Okay, so the first night of the search for Adrian... Barbara and Murray McNaughton stayed vigil at the lakeshore with a fire. I would not be able to leave. Nope. I would be there too. Waiting for any trace of Adrian to appear. The family was present and did their own search too. One of Adrian's cousin, Brad, who was 15 at the time, had ropes tied to him and was lowered into a swamp. Yeah, he was basically told to like poke around with a stick and see if he could find anything in this swampy area. In the following days and weeks after Adrian's disappearance, there were multiple agencies involved. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the OPP, the Ministry of National Services. I know. Doesn't what that is sound this? cool too? Fucking I know. Harry Potter? I don't know. The, I like the lead, the lead wizards are called like the, like the government. Like the wizard government is called the Ministry of really? Magic. Yeah. Okay. I like Canada more now. They have the fucking best names for things. I know. And I love that they call it a washroom because it's not a goddamn bathroom because you're not bathing in it. I know. It's so weird that we call it a bathroom. Anyway. Soldiers, civilians, local divers, search dogs, and many local hunters and outdoorsmen. And there was no trace of Adrian found. Yeah, so pretty much immediately they had a lot of help, a lot of volunteers, a lot of people out there looking for this five-year-old boy. Now, the early searches were hampered by the local terrain. There were reports of searchers being up to their knees and even their necks in the muck. 
trying to find this kid. Mm. So just not the best terrain for searching. The low visibility and the layer of silt and mud along the bottom of the lake made it increasingly challenging for local divers and OPP divers. As we mentioned before, the bottom of the lake is an entanglement of muck and tree limbs, and it is just impossible to find anything. Yeah, I would... No, not a good area to be searching. Like, not a good... So much mud and mucky. And there are interviews with some of these divers that came out to search that say that they could reach up to their shoulders into the silt on the bottom of the lake and still not touch the actual bottom. So, like... They're like reaching into this muck and not being able to touch the bottom. Now, the local and OPP divers searched Holmes Lake and dove and searched in many other lakes and rivers in the area to no avail. Because they don't know that he's fallen in this lake. He could have wandered off. He could have fallen in some other body of water. So they are looking in all of them. Also, it doesn't help that the search dogs were hindered by heavy rains in the area. Uh. Now, in later interviews, Captain Craig Mills with the Canadian Forces would say that 550 civilians had joined the 250 soldiers covering 74.8 square miles surrounding the lake. And it's believed to date that over 9,000 people have helped search for Adrian. And a lot of the people searching seem to be at odds and not really coordinating with each other. So as an example... When the military people called an end to the day, the civilians would call it a day too, leaving many areas undocumented as being searched or not. So, and we see this with a lot of searches, especially when there's a lot of volunteers, right? There's good and bad. Yeah, when there's a lot of, like, civilian volunteers, we see a lot of this. Mm -hmm. And also, this is in the 70s, so we got to think... Not that long ago, but just long enough ago that it's going to be... Where we didn't know the kind of damage that could do. Yeah, and like the... I feel like it was just searches were more like people just went out and started yelling in the woods and like walking around aimlessly kind of Mm -hmm. vibe. When now we have more of an organized way of searching Yeah. Eight days after the search began, so June 20th, some of the soldiers were going to be pulled out as well as some of the OPP. So many of these people were staying in the area, hadn't been home, they were exhausted. Since the search for Adrian started, most of the searchers had been going off of four hours of sleep each night. Which, after time, like, I don't care who you are and how little you sleep or whatever, but after, like... You're useless. Eight days of sleeping for only four hours a night, you're useless. It's really Your just, brain dead. It's really not enough, and it actually does become dangerous at some point. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. On June 20th, the OPP divers, who had extensively searched Holmes Lake, many ponds, and other lakes, and culverts in the area had found nothing and felt that there was nothing further they could do at that point. Ugh. Yeah, it was thought that if Adrian had been drinking water and keeping himself hydrated, he could survive for up to 14 days, which seems like a high number for a child of this age. But But remember, kids do some crazy shit when they're missing. Well, not only that, but we don't have extreme weather. We don't have 
extreme cold, we don't have things like that that would contribute to him not being able to survive. Yeah, and I feel like there's some crazy story of kids coming out after so long in, yeah. the, in the wilderness. And also the distances that kids can get is astronomical once they go missing. Yep. They also concluded that if he had not been doing this, keeping himself hydrated and keeping himself out of the elements, that he would only be able to survive four to five days. So four to five days compared to 14 days is a really big window that they're saying, well, he could have survived here, but if he wasn't hydrating, this is as far as he could have made it. So it sounds like they pushed more to that 14 days for the official search, which is good. Mm -hmm. But either way, there was no sign of Adrian. They did find some footprints on the other side of the lake, but it was unclear if they could have been Adrian's. A professional tracker thought that based on the size of the footprints and the broken branches of shrubs accompanying the prints, they could have been from a small person. The tracker figured the footprints were around 19 hours old, but the trail of footprints was lost after the ground became rocky. Search dogs also could not follow the trail, and they lost the scent. So I don't, I feel like a five-year-old's footprints are going to be a hell of a lot smaller than a even small a small adult. adult. So uh, I got some feet that are pretty close to like an, like an eight-year-old's. Right. But this is size. a five-year-old. True. Like, I feel like they should be able to determine and if this And they said that he a was a small boy. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know about that. So on June 25th, the organized search was ceased, but OPP with search dogs continued for a time. Many searchers were frustrated and baffled with the lack of clues or any trace of Adrian. So it was thought that if there had been a struggle with an animal, that there would be some sign of it, which... I kind of agree with that a little bit. Kind of? Yeah. I kind of agree, because how would you even know, really, if there was an animal struggle, though? Well, because they're thinking there'd be, like, ripped well, clothes, there'd be a scuffle, get... there'd be blood, there'd be something. I guess it probably depends on what he ran into. But a five-year-old who's kind of small, I mean, remember that story we did with the dingo? I mean... They picked the, the, picked the kid they up They picked that kid away. right up, yeah. So, I so, mean, you never I mean, know. possibly. I mean, depends on where and when he got napped by an animal, if he did. Many of the searchers were aware that they could have been within feet of Adrian and just couldn't see him. At the time, in 1972, there was a reward of $1,000 begotten from donations offered to anyone who could provide actual clues or resolution to Adrian's disappearance. So not just give us information, but actual clues or evidence mm -hmm. to resolve the case. But nothing came of it. In 2009, the OPP released an age progression rendering of Adrian and pleaded with people to look at the photo. If it's a possibility that he was taken and raised by another family, he may not remember his life prior to the abduction, which he wouldn't. He's five. Now, we will post a picture of this age progression. And many tips did come in, but nothing came of any of them. Now, as in so many cases, people began to speculate, was or is Adrian even in the area, right? Because everybody thinks we've covered every inch of this area. He can't be here. And it seemed like the family and their friends were questioned extensively, 
but were ruled out as suspects or having anything to do with the disappearance, right? So police do not think that the family is involved in his disappearance, Mm -hmm. right? Even with this happening, rumors of them being involved in his disappearance still persist to this day. Of course, naturally. Which has got to be so hard on the family. Yeah, I mean, you saw the dinger got my baby case, man. That mom was prosecuted. Well, she was actually put in jail, too. Now, people began to speculate that maybe Adrian had wandered up to the car, which was something like a mile. So if that was the case, could somebody have taken him from there? Totally. There were reports of a custom-painted black and white 1965 Dodge vehicle in the parking area that left some time after it was discovered that Adrian was missing. So it had been seen there earlier in the day when he went missing, around the time that he went missing, and had left shortly after he disappeared. The witness thought the vehicle was odd and hadn't seen it in the area before. However, there didn't seem to be any leads of evidentiary value in this vehicle. So they found no connection to this vehicle and anything to do with the case. So many thought that he had wandered into the woods and been taken by a bear or a coyote, or after wandering into the woods, he had been injured or lost and eventually died of exposure. Through the years, there have been psychics that have come out of the woodwork. Like like they always do. They always do, especially when it has to do with kids. Or high-profile cases, yeah. Yeah. So Murray did believe in clairvoyance and sought them out to find Adrian. Two prominent psychics thought that he had made it out of the woods and was found by people and was raised in a community nearby. These two psychics were adamant that Adrian was alive and living in Clyde Forks, a small town about an hour away from Lake Holmes. In the podcast, Someone Knows Something, David Ridgen investigates this lead with an age-progressed photo of Adrian, but no real conclusion was found. Yeah, and from what I heard, he, like, went around and asked people who had lived in that area, like, would you have noticed if, like, a small child around the age of five suddenly became a part of your community? And everybody that he talked to said absolutely no, they would have noticed if that had happened, and nobody recognized the photo of Adrian. The prevailing theory is that Adrian slipped on the rocks where he was playing or walked into the water believing it was shallow and hit a drop-off. This could explain why there was no sound of splashing or screams or a struggle. Now, I sort of can see this, but also, if a small child falls off of a rock somewhere, that doesn't mean they're going to scream. And that doesn't mean that somebody's going to hear a splash either. Uh-uh. No. But that's what they're thinking, is he would have had to have Have you ever actually watched a kid, like, fall into water and, like, drown? Because it's not screaming. There's not screaming. It's pretty silent. It's pretty, like, just some kicking. Well, and maybe could he have rolled into the, like, Oh, well, what edge? if he, like, bumped his head and was a little bit, like, dazed? Yeah. He probably couldn't. Maybe he didn't even kick. Maybe he just was, like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Other theories are, could a pedophile or somebody living in the area have come across Adrian. There were some reports that a local man had kidnapped and murdered Adrian, putting his body in a well or a shed in the area. Also could not be substantiated. A possibility raised was that Adrian wandered out to the road, was hit by a vehicle in a panic his body was hidden or disposed of. I don't see this either. Like, if you accidentally hit a small child that wanders onto a road... 
I think hiding it is going to be the least of your worries, especially because it's not a criminal act. Mm-mm. I would I wouldn't think anyway. And remember the podcast that I was talking about that did an entire season on this, mm-hmm. that someone knows something. They actually went out to the lake with divers mm. and did like some searches on their own. Like a new, like another. Yeah, like a fresh set of eyes, a fresh search kind of thing. And when they do this, the dogs actually lead them to the lake, like the cadaver dogs do. But can these cadaver dogs differentiate between human and... Decomposing? They're supposed to be able to. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, I mean, I have heard, I have never actually smelt a decomposing human being, but I have heard that it is slightly different than of a smell than just a regular, like a different... It's something about, I think, the mental of it being a person decomposing and us being able to smell a decomposing human. The divers do go into the lake. And remember, it's been like 50 years at this point. This is recent. So it's been 50 years since Adrian went missing. And they are looking for things like thicker bones, lower jaws, Um, maybe some rubber that might have been left over from his shoes. There are several dives conducted to search for Adrian. And in late April of 2016, the team actually found what they thought to be teeth and part of a rubber piece of shoe. But upon investigation, the OPP disappointingly determined that the teeth were not human and that the rubber was inconclusive to Adrian. Now, on the fourth search, so they, they go out there searching multiple times. Yeah. And they document all of this, too. I actually did read their article on this and look at all the pictures from it. Now, they go out in March of 2018, and they take cadaver dogs and find some interesting things. So there are many boreholes that are drilled into the lake because it's frozen at this point. So the lake is frozen. So they bore holes into the lake deep enough that they can dredge up matter from the bottom of the lake, which if there was a dead body down there, it might bring the smell up through that hole, right? So they bring out the cadaver dogs to see if they smell anything in these boreholes. And There's about 30 of them drilled into the lake. When they do this, they bring up the core samples from the bottom of the lake. Three cadaver dogs independently react or hit on two of these boreholes. So all three dogs at separate times hit on these two boreholes, right? And there's actually video of this. I watched the video of the dogs. Like... Like, uh, what's it called when they notify that they found what they're looking for? That's a hit. A hit. So you actually see all of these dogs independently hit on these boreholes. Now, they drilled these boreholes straight in a straight line kind of along the shore. Like, it looks like it's not far from the shoreline. And then they added random holes further out. Now, Grief and Breeze, who are two of the cadaver dogs, they hit on these further out holes just past the line. So it's not the first line of holes, but it's the next Mm -hmm. random set of holes. 
And Quinn actually hits on one that is just a little further out, but basically in a straight line from the one where the other two dogs hit on. So they're basically like right next to each other in a straight line from the shore. At this point, however, there's no feasible way to search the area thoroughly. Now, I think the point of this was to see if there was any chance that there was cadaver material in this lake, right? Now, even if they bring back the divers in the warmer season, I feel like it's going to be impossible for them to search this area. Like even knowing where these dogs hit, maybe they could trudge up that area somehow, even though it's really deep. I'm not really sure, but it's interesting that they were able to identify that these dogs did hit on the lake. So the question becomes like, where in the actual fuck is Adrian? So they determined that maybe there was cadaver material in the lake, but that doesn't even mean that it's Adrian. Yeah. So as far as I see it, there's a few possibilities, right? He's in the lake. Yeah. He's in the woods. I think that no matter what, I think he's lost out in the elements. And Right. Or he could have gone to the road to try to get to the car, and he could have been picked up by somebody on that road as a crime of opportunity. Yeah, true. It's either crime of opportunity or he's lost somewhere. Rather not that's in the lake or in the woods. And that's kind of how I feel. I feel like those are the only two, like, options that make a lot of sense for me. There also could be an animal attack. Like, that could have happened. Yeah. He is a small child. He would be appealing. Yeah. Now, What area is this in again? It's Canada. It's kind of like here. It's going to be a lot like here in the woods. Now, there's never been any evidence that an animal dragged Adrian away that day. There's no blood. There's no clothing. There's nothing. So could he have been dragged off by an animal? It's possible. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't... I still feel like we would have been more likely to hear him screaming if that happened. But what if he was already lost and then, like, later... Later on. Exactly. Now, the family has thought about entering their DNA into different sites like 23andMe just in case Adrian is out there somewhere. I can't believe they haven't done this already. Yeah. Like, I would have done this immediately just in case his DNA ever ends up on the site. I am really too scared to do 23andMe. Why? I don't want to know what issues I got. I don't want to know all my medical issues. I would see, and I would want to know so that I could, like address them I guess yeah I just I'm gonna live there I think for familiar DNA though is why they're looking at doing that well yeah Yeah. but I'm just saying that I'm afraid to actually find out what is all wrong with me if I put my shit into 23andMe to date there has really been no sign of Adrian at all and he would be 55 years old today damn 55 so I mean, quick theories, we've kind of said what we think the possibilities are, and we'll talk more about that on our Bunker Talk. But I do, in a lot of these type of cases, I tend to lean more on the lost theory. Well, and we see it time and time again. I think that's why, though, because we've seen it so many times. It's so thick. Which, it is a possibility that he got taken. It is a possibility of animal It's always a possibility. Those Those are possibilities. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend, though, checking out the Someone Knows Something podcast. There's a lot of information on there. 
a lot more than we were able to cover on here for sure. But yeah, that is the story of Adrian McNaughton. Yep. And we really appreciate Caitlin St. Clair helping us research on this case. We literally would not be able to do it without you guys helping us. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to hear more about our opinions on this case, you can go and check out our Patreon. We have our Bunker Talks where we do there, which is our biased opinion on every case that we cover. Also, you can find all of our coverage from our recent trip on Patreon as well. Yeah. And speaking of Patreon, we have some new ones. Also, we just really want to say thank you, thank you to all of our Patreons. You guys are amazing. You are the reason we can keep doing this. We seriously appreciate all of you. My mom would have quit by now. I for sure would have quit by now. If it wasn't for our Patreons. So we have Nikki Mathis. Hi, Nikki. Welcome to Patreon. We got Roman Girl. So you can put down like a username and that's like the name that we see. Or you can put down like your real name. So some people do like username, some do Roman. I got you. Yeah. Unless her name is actually Roman Girl. I like it. Then we have Heather. Hi, Heather. Welcome to Patreon. We also have Madison Risner. Risner? 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 I don't know. We have the same first name. Hi, Madison. Her her name is cooler than mine. I know. Do you go by Madison or Maddie? We're curious. Yeah. We have Sophie Gassner. Yeah. Hi, Sophie. Welcome to Patreon. There are way too many S's in your name. Maddie just had uh, like a stroke, I think. We also have... No, like looking at her name makes my eyes water. I know. We also have Amy Bevan. Hi, Amy. Welcome to Patreon. And we have Anonymous. Yes. Thank you for anonymously supporting us. These are the first two Patreons that we've had that have put in an actual username and not their actual name. That's actually funny that this is the first time. It's like they're both at the same time. And they're both on the same... In the same... Yeah, usually... Sometimes people just do first names, but we haven't really had many people do like... A different name, like an actual like username. I like it. But yeah, thank you all of you so much for... Su- Can you stop doing that? You always do this at the end. Because I'm freaking out. Mandy gets very distracted. Thank you all so much for supporting us. We really, really appreciate you guys. Everybody, go and follow us on social media. We post a ton of pictures, not only of like the fun hiking stuff and backpacking stuff that we do, but also of our cases. Every case gets a post. And it's also something about seeing the creepiest men that we talk about on this podcast know, that really just makes the story so much better, but it's not better. It's worse. I, I know. But the visual the visual can be nice, though. So definitely go and check us nice out there. Nice is not the right word. Helpful <laughs> is the correct. Also, we wanted to thank Melanie Canton, Canteen? Canton? For buying us coffee yeah, last thank you week. So much. Thank you so much. And Joanne Woolley bought us coffee this week. Yep. Wooly, I think so. I think. Sounds good. Sounds great to me. Either way, thank you so much, you guys. Without coffee to get through these recordings or Red Bull as we're drinking today, I would probably kill Madison. So. Oh, my God. You know, also, when we say we're drinking Red Bulls, we're not, like, drinking straight canned Red Bull, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's like a, it's like an espresso Italian soda. Drink. Yeah. It's an Italian mm-hmm. soda with Red Bull in it and carbonation and flavoring and it's just about the most delicious thing and the best thing on the planet and it is the only reason that i think i would struggle living somewhere else is because that's not a right again normal no coffee stands don't exist coffee is not the same anywhere else besides here and we do learn that when we do some of our traveling but yeah 
Thank you so much. Because we live in a depressing, rainy state, and everyone's depressed, and the only way you can get through the winter is caffeine. caffeine. Uh, All right. Thanks, you guys, so much for tuning in, and we will see you again next week. Yes. Thank you guys so much, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. I have a needy indoor cat that needs my attention and needs to be brushed on a daily basis and also <laughs> needs special air diffusers so that he doesn't rip out his fur. Yeah, so Maddie has a very stressed out cat and maybe he's stressed out because I have been on the verge of murdering him all week long. He won't stop eating my plants. Or he's just stressed out because he doesn't actually know how to be a cat and he just copies everything Maverick does. Yeah, that hoping- could be it. He literally, he keeps taking my orchid out of its... <laughs> He, out of its pot and like running with it like he grabs it because i have i have or- orchids but they're not in soil they're just air because guess what orchids aren't supposed to be in soil but they're they air plants yeah they don't actually need soil they do need nutrients so you have to like water them and give them nutrients to not be in soil also for those who like our cats i like to talk about our cats on the podcast um <sighs> We have a running bet going in the house on which one of our cats. Our cats are about eight months now, so they're not quite full grown. But we have a running bet on which one of our cats is going to be bigger. And for some reason, my mother thinks the opposite as the rest of us. I think it's going to be Maverick. Yeah, we all think it's going to be Goose. Why? Goose is obviously going to be the bigger cat. Maverick Uh, has stopped growing because now Maverick is just getting fat. I think he's getting fat because he's about to grow. No, <laughs> he's getting fat because his body doesn't need those nutrients anymore. His body doesn't need that extra intake. Maybe it's so just because he's, he's the fat. dominant cat that I think he's going to be bigger. I don't know. No, it is because right now he's like up a top of the totem pole higher than Goose right now. He's just meaner. So you're like, oh, the coldish standoffish one's going to be the big one. But no, Maverick's going to be the little puny man because Goose is going to pass him the fuck up. I like that she says he's going to be puny. He's already gigantic. Okay, yeah, he's already... Okay, let me take that back. He's not a puny cat. He's actually... They're huge. He's literally, like, pushing 15 pounds right now. Yeah, they're big cats. They're not, like, little bitty things. No, I'm just saying that our one cat is going to, I believe, get a lot bigger than our other cat. It's possible possible i think that goose is going to be bigger than maverick but only time will tell mm-hmm. great what a good way to start off my sleep provide pro- my sleep provide deprived yes okay my sleep deprived day i just woke maddie up you guys it's also twelve thirty in the okay. afternoon by the way I've been up since 6 a.m. on this Saturday morning. you can't just, you literally make me look like a lazy piece of shit. Like, I don't get up at, like, eight or nine almost every other day. I get up at, like, five during the week. Oh, my God. That's because you're a psychopath. I'm not a psychopath. I have things to do. And you know what? You were not up at five this morning because I I was up at six. I got home at 5.30 this morning and you were not I told you I got up at six this morning. It's it's Saturday. I'm not that crazy. (laughs) <laughs> it's Saturday. I'm not that crazy. Like you weren't up at like 4:30 the other morning. I couldn't sleep. I heard you up there. It's true. I couldn't sleep. I have problems. I have a lot to do in my day. Okay, and you're making me sound like a lazy piece of shit to our listeners. It was my friend's birthday last night, and we. Oh were... wait, because you were partying until 5 a.m. and then slept until 12:30. I'm making you sound like a lazy piece of shit or your actions are making you sound like a lazy piece of shit. 
It was just my asking, friend's birthday. Asking for a friend. It was my friend's birthday. We were out. And actually, a this lot of people go out for their birthdays. Also, you say that this, you say this like it is normal for you or not normal for you to be up around 11 or 12 in the afternoon. I don't actually get up at 11 or 12. When you're not working? When I'm not working, I'm definitely awake at like 9. Whether or not I get out of bed, whether or not you see me. You're not helping your I'm a lazy piece of shit argument right now. (laughs) Maybe, maybe I'm up, but I just don't get out of bed. How is that less lazy? (laughs) (sighs) It's my day off. Leave me the hell alone. I, I raise children for a living. Technically, it's my day off today, too. I don't get a day off. I don't know what that means. No, but it's my day, day that I don't have to get kids off to school. That's how I count my days yeah, off. Yeah, you want to know where your mistake was? Having kids? Yes. Yes, thank you. I know. You're welcome. Okay. It's a bad investment. People don't do it. <laughs> I feel like none of my kids are going to have kids, and it's very concerning. <laughs> The population ends. Our bloodline ends here. Here and now. (laughs) Your sisters have plenty of kids. Someone's carrying on the bloodline somewhere. It'll be fine. It's just not going to be It's just not going to be my bloodline, yeah. It's not going to be you. Is that going to be the most upsetting thing? Nah, it's probably good. Let's just... We don't need any more... Let's just stop it now, okay? We don't need any more people in this family. (laughs) Um, we do not need more people. This family tree does not need to go deeper. It's good. It's good, you It's guys. good to top it off right here. Prune the branches. Let's get it <laughs> over with. Okay. It has been Maddie and Phoenix in my dream both times, and I don't know why. <laughs> Your kids are all very... We are very aware of the... Shut up. ...of the ranking. Okay, but here's show. why. I have a theory why, though, why this is. My theory as to why this happens is because... Maddie was my first child. That makes sense. She yeah. was my first child. I was most paranoid with her. Like, you were I, also a teenager. I was also a teenager. FYI, if you don't know this about me, I look young for a reason because I am fucking young. I had her when I was 19. So my theory as to why this transferred onto Phoenix is because Phoenix is my last child. She's my last kid. And her and Maddie look very similar. I actually posted on my personal Instagram the other day a comparison of their two first grade pictures. I'll post it for you guys too. But they look a lot alike. So I think that my original anxiety with Maddie being my first child and then my anxiety with Phoenix being my last child and looking the most like Madison is why it kind of transferred to her. Yeah. I'm that, hopefully I, that's that, it. That, that sure. makes sense. Okay. Or you only love two of your children. Shut so up. that's for the listeners to decide. Shut up. I love all of my we'll children. We'll be starting equally. a GoFundMe for the less popular children in this house. The middle children. <laughs> By the way, I'm also a middle child, so I don't think I would intentionally like my love my middle yeah, children. Um, this less. is not very this isn't serious, also, in case anyone thinks that this is serious. Maddie's kidding. She knows that I love all of my children. If we need to, I feel like we do need to clarify that at this point. (laughs) This is a joke because someone's going to call CPS on you. Okay. It is a running joke. And I will say that the joke tends to land on my middle children the most. And that could be because they are more difficult. 
No, it is because Phoenix is the favorite child. We are all aware that Phoenix is the favorite child. Phoenix got a whole ass. Our family calendar was literally all pictures of Phoenix. <laughs> so, like, we're aware of that. And then I'm just friends with my mom. So then, you know. But it's the whole joke that Phoenix is the favorite child. And, and you're the second favorite? Is that how it goes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I love all of my children the same. <laughs> Jesus. I, it's mostly mainly the joke is Phoenix is the favorite child. And that's p- pretty much as it lands well to be fair and then cordy's second favorite now cordy's second favorite now because you ordered those two plaques for volleyball i did not order those okay i'm a coach for my daughter's volleyball team one of the other moms on the team ordered like the fancy volleyball plaque that has like the picture it's like a mounted thing i have never ordered those for my kids i always order the one pager that has like the individual photo and then the team photo Well, when the other mom ordered hers, they accidentally put Cordy's picture on it instead of her daughter's picture. So she was like, well, here you go, Marie. Here's a very expensive plaque of your daughter in her volleyball jersey. And so all of my kids were like, oh, so Cordy gets a plaque for volleyball. And then when they found my trading cards from the one year you ordered trading cards, the they were like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I only did that because whoever your friend was on the team, they were ordering them too. And the mom wanted her to have somebody to trade them with. Yeah, it was the one girl on my team. Yeah. So I'm I'm not I'm not big on like the pictures and all the accessories. We play a lot of different sports. I have a um, lot of kids. I always do the one pager. Where is he? So Goose Asshole. just tried to jump up on one of the shelves and he definitely did like a backflip backwards. <laughs> and if you don't If you don't know this about me or you haven't listened to the podcast for a really long time, you might not know that I have this problem. And my problem is that whenever somebody hurts themselves, I for some reason cannot stop myself from laughing. And I will give you a very quick story of why you should probably think that I'm a bad parent. And it starts with our road trip that we recently took to Leavenworth. And on this said road trip... Cordelia, my 12-year-old, was playing around with the... We have, like, a plug-in in our car. <laughs> Maddie, Maddie now knows the story, and she's laughing. Also, some of my children may have inherited the same trait. So she's playing around with the plug-in. We have, like, a legit... Like, you could plug in your vacuum cleaner. You could plug in anything into my car. There's, like, a plug-in there. There was. Well, there was. So before I tell the rest of the story... I'm admitting that maybe this is not my best quality. <laughs> so, <laughs> continue. Cordy was playing with the plug-in and somehow broke the casing off of it. And at some point, she thought it would be a good idea to reach her hand into the hole that has now been created by the missing plug-in. <laughs> I don't know if she was trying to fix it. I don't know what she was doing. But whatever it was... <laughs> She electrocuted herself pretty bad in the car and started bawling her eyes out. So wait, she straight so up got full on electrocuted by open wiring in the vehicle. So, and I'm, I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm like this. I can't help it. But so I'm like trying not a, to turn my head to look at Cordy who's bawling. No, it was just a car full of people Because I'm Cordy. trying not to laugh at her. And then I hear Maddie in the back seat, and she's like, Cordy, <laughs> Cordy, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> and she's trying not to laugh. Cadence is laughing. <laughs> Phoenix is not laughing. And neither is Shed. 
which kind of tracks as far as like our entire family dynamic. And you know what? That bullshit got me into so much trouble <laughs> as a kid. So, so much trouble. So I have always been like this. My dad was like this. My sisters are like this. And my mom used to get so mad at us. I literally don't know what's wrong. The second someone gets hurt or is in pain, I don't know what is wrong with me. But I, literally, I think it is the funniest. I don't still, know what my problem is. I still, like one time I was on a date at a movie theater. And I was sitting up near like the top of the movie theater. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the house lights flipped on in the theater, like where we were watching the movie. It's like halfway through the movie. And somebody from the very back of the theater jumps up and starts running down the stairs. We're thinking an employee to turn the lights off. And he gets about halfway down the stairs before <laughs> before he bites it and he rolls, tumbling the rest of the way down the stairs. And he jumps up at the bottom and he goes, I'm okay. And then he limps out of the movie theater. <laughs> the lights go off. He never comes back in. Needless to say, I did not make a good impression on this date because for the rest of the movie, and by the way, Maddie is like dying laughing right now. For the rest of the movie. I'm just imagining a movie theater employee rolling down the movie theater. Which is what I imagined for the, I could not even tell you for the life of me what happened in the rest of the movie because I could not. Stop laughing. I had and a guy take me out on a date and came and when he dropped me back off, he walked up the stairs and then he turned to walk down our front steps. We have like 14 or 15 steps out front of our house, by the way. Multiple people have fallen down them. And he turned around and he slid all the way down those stairs. <laughs> and all I could do was laugh at him. So yes, we are terrible, terrible people. Please don't yeah, judge also, us. Also, every time the boys, the boys I grew up with, every time they got like hit in the nuts or something, dying laughing. I'm dying. I'm on the floor. I'm literally laughing my ass off. And the lady's like, this is not funny. They're hurt. They're in pain. They hurt themselves. Yeah. And we still like, we're still like helping people up. Like we are trying to make it better. We're trying not to laugh. Like when somebody runs their head into a tree branch because they have a visor on and Maddie and I helped her back up after she almost lost consciousness. And then we made sure that she did not see us laughing the rest of the hike back to the car. Like we try to be, we try to hide it. We try. We try to be supportive and helpful still, but it is what it is. I don't know. We're bad people. I'm pretty sure. It's I fine. Think so. 